can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Welcome back to Tuesday. Do you include chemicals in service? Do you do all chemicals extra? Join Kelly and Dan for the conclusion to this edge-of-the-seat talk on the Skimmer Report. I think I mentioned earlier that our our sales uh, for 2023, uh, our overall gross sales were down by a couple of points over 22, you know, two to 3% roughly, but our profit was up, uh, if I remember right, somewhere between seven and 8%. So See? we made, made more doing less essentially. Right. Which and that's is, the is same thing great. that happened to me. Right. And, and to that point, Skimmer's report, uh, in when, when asking people, what, what are they going to do to try to achieve those goals of, you know, ultimately increasing profit. The the number one answer was streamlining. Can't speak streamlining services. Okay. Take a look at what you're doing, and concentrate on the things that are making you the most money. And if things are not making you the money that other things are, don't turn away the other things in lieu of doing those. Now you always got to have a gentle balance because you you, you know you want to certainly retain customers and you want to. Yes you know, have that base that you can rely on as, as a, you know, steady income or, or whatever you want to think of it. But, um, but it, it really, really, really is something that, uh, I think more and more people need to look at, you know, it, it, am I making money doing this task? Is it worth me doing this task or should I just move on to another thing that I am making money at because, uh, you know, I've got plenty to do and, and fill my days out and, Well, I think that's a great thing of that. Don't be a jack of all trades because then you're going to have all this stuff. And like you said, you'll have things on there that you're not making as much money on something else. So Mm -hmm. why not find somebody who does it a lot and wants to do it? And maybe there's something that that person doesn't do that you do all the time and you like, and you can kind of be like, Oh, here, I refer, I referred you this or whatever. And then they can do the same with you. Why? That's how I've been. I have people call me all the time for plaster. And I know a lot of guys who have started offering plaster because they're getting calls. I'm like, screw that. And I just give them, you know, a couple companies that I do startups for, but I feel that they do a quality product because I'm, why should I do that? Or I don't trench. Don't do it. Yeah. Call someone to do it. Uh, I have an electrician that I, even though I know how to do electrical, I have an electrician because my license doesn't let me take touch the main one. But hey, he refers any pool stuff to me. So it balances out and does exactly what you're saying in like skimmer where it's like focus on what you're good at and is a common thing for you. Yeah. This this next stat that I, I was really excited to see was um, uh, the, the pool service company budget and staff breakdown. So they, they talk about um, how are you allocating your budget for this year? 
Okay. And the, the great majority, you know, 34% of them uh, said that it's people-related expense. Which okay. Which to me is, is awesome because, uh, you know, people are your biggest asset. If, yeah. if you're, if you have a company with, with staff, with employees, they are your greatest asset. You need to make sure you're taking care of them first. Um, Think of it this way. Imagine when we are all robots running these things, yeah. you investing in people is the same concept of investing and in fixing your robots. Yeah. Right. Right. Or if, if you were, you know, some sort of manufacturing facility that relied on an assembly line that was all automated, <laughs> right? Your, your machines, right? That's yep. what gets the work done. The people in this case out doing the routes, those are yep. not, not to say they're machines. I don't want to, you know, but they are your biggest asset. And you got I think the reason I, I, I did that like analogy is because some people will care more about like the vehicle repair or the equipment repair or making sure the spin lab is done before they'll, actually take the, the time and energy and cost into the person and making sure that they're doing what they need to do in order to use those tools so that the, those tools do work appropriately and efficiently and all of yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and to the point I mentioned earlier, our leadership team and, and Tom, who had brought up relative to our, you know, program for next year and, and going to a, a, the Atlantic city show or, or whatnot. Um, it came up, you know, every year we reinvest in the company in, in a multitude of ways and we give bonuses, we buy vehicles, we buy equipment, all this kind of stuff. You remodeled and, your uh, whole building. We're in the midst of it right now. I'm hoping that we stay on track. And in another month, the uh, brand new service office is unveiled, which will be a, a godsend in, in terms of what we're doing there. The, the aspect of the space and the natural lighting and the color schemes that have been picked out and the technology and all that kind of stuff is really going to, I think, help propel us through 24 and beyond for sure. But at any rate, should Tom, take a and, video when it's all nice and done so you can motivate yeah, our listeners to do the same in there their, whatever size shop they have. And, and what I need to do is, is show what it is now compared to yeah. the new office when it's done. Uh, because it's, uh, you know, it's amazing. And, and we even talked today in our, our leadership meeting about uh, our company has survived for, this is our 70th year in business. Wow. And our company has survived for 70 years doing a lot with the most minimal streamlined resources possible. And yeah. and the service end of our business is, is certainly a, a shows that in terms of, uh, you know, where we've been, but it's time and, and we, we need to, you know, make the investment and, and we're doing it and we'll, we'll have a nice space when we're done. Give us a lot more room to breathe and, 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 you know, sort of be able to take deep breaths and expel them without the person <laughs> on top of you when you're doing it. But um, <laughs> seeing, seeing skimmers say pe people related is really cool. Uh, yeah. I was saying earlier though, Tom, uh, Tom had, had brought up, you know, so maybe we, instead of budgeting for, you know, X number of vehicles this year, we cut it by a vehicle to mm -hmm. use that revenue to move the group if, uh, if, if that's the way we're going to decide to go to, to take them all to an event next year. So we'll, we'll see what, what pans out with all that, but that's certainly one of the, the ways we're looking at things. Um, you know, challenges for, uh, uh, 24 in terms of labor, um, you know, 
kind of an even split between people, the companies who plan to hire more employees and, and the companies that plan to stay the same. And, uh, I, I guess that doesn't surprise me a whole lot. Um, there, there are a lot of companies, I think, especially in this route market that are very comfortable with, with what they are, you know? Well, in, in my state, people that work in fast food now make $20 an hour. And so now we have to keep, even though we're not required to give them $20 an hour, we have to compete with that because you can't, you can't have a tech making minimum wage. They'll just go to McDonald's. Yep. Yep. So that could have influenced that when it came to California is okay. Maybe we just keep where we're at instead of hiring someone else while we've had to jump our price, maybe five, $6 an hour. Well, and this, this stat, I think relative to California, especially with the, the, because that's fairly recent that those, you know, fast food workers got jumped up, but the, uh, the highest level, uh, the the most people reporting this level of pay, uh, 32% of the people said that they're paying their, um, their route people's between 16 and $20 an hour. And a very close second, 30% said that they're paying between $21 and $25. Yeah. And, 11% you know, are paying 31 or more. That Well, so, that the first percentage you did, the 17%, that was the going rate for techs, and at least where I live. But yeah, now, now if you want to retain somebody, yeah, you're going to have to start increasing their pay just to keep them on because you want quality workers, you know, you don't want just Joe blow off the corner. Yeah. Yeah. So there, and then there's all kinds of other, you know, they talk about marketing, you know, who's got to love California. Yeah. All right. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> you, you might have to live there, but I don't have to live it. I, I, I love, visiting. I love the weather. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, in terms of different, different ways that, that these companies market, what one area do you think is the biggest area that these companies market. In a rare public statement preceding their upcoming court hearing, Shaheen Gebelshinas, 64, and her daughter Nina Fathizada, 41, both residents of San Jose, addressed the tragic drowning deaths of two children under their care at their Almaden Area Family Day Care. The statement, provided exclusively to the Bay Area News Group through their attorneys Carlos Vega and Cameron Bowman, doesn't delve into a specific defense, but expresses sympathy for the victims' families and emphasizes their cooperation with the legal proceedings. The attorneys, former veteran Santa Clara County prosecutors, noted that their clients have surrendered their passports, agreed to house arrest conditions while on bail, and are committed to cooperating with the ongoing criminal proceedings. Fathizada and Gebel Sheenas have yet to enter a plea, and Friday's court hearing is primarily focused on formally declaring Vega and Bowman as their legal counsel. The statement acknowledges the profound grief of the bereaved families and underscores the defendant's understanding that their own sorrow is only a fraction of the unimaginable loss suffered by the parents. It reassures the affected families of their deepest sympathies during this incredibly challenging time. Regarding the charges of felony and misdemeanor child endangerment, the statement mentions compliance with bail conditions and a plea for patience as the legal process unfolds. It stresses the importance of trying the case in a court of law rather than the court of public opinion, 
emphasizing the need for access to underlying police reports and evidence related to the investigation. The attorneys declined to comment beyond the statement, and the legal counsel has not yet received the complete evidence for a thorough evaluation of the case. The statement concludes with a plea for understanding and patience as the legal process takes its course. The charges against both women involve three felony child endangerment counts, including a surviving child found in their pool, and additional misdemeanor counts for an unrelated incident. Their daycare license was suspended, and they were fined $11,000. The criminal charges allege negligence resulting in the drowning of two toddlers, emphasizing that the incident was deemed a completely avoidable tragedy by prosecutors and the victim's relatives. The investigation revealed unsupervised children in a play area, a propped open pool gate, and an employee's absence, contributing to the tragic events of that October morning. This story by Robert Salonga of Bay Area News Group, titled San Jose, Daycare Owners Charged in Child Pool Death Speak Out, which appeared in Mercury News on February 2, 2024. So there, and there's all kinds of other, you know, they talk about marketing, you know, who's got to love California. Yeah. (laughs) No, you don't. No, you don't. (laughs) You, you might have to live there, but I don't have to live it. I I I love, I love the weather. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, in terms of different, different ways that, that these companies market, what one area do you think is the biggest area that these companies market? Like when it comes to service? Like route the, route, the routes, yeah. Sort of not surprising to me, but social media, I think, would be a big one. Um, flyers. Um, yeah, social media was number one, sixty-eight percent. Yeah. Yep. Referrals. Because you have so many people on there that you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's referral easy, has to be super high. I'm surprised referral yeah. isn't number one. Well, because it's think, it's right when behind you like at sixty-three. Your, so yeah, because. You know, everybody says like, okay, their neighbor will build a pool. Hey, Bob, what pool service do you have? Do you like them? How do they do? Okay, well, we'll hire them because you like them because we have no clue who to hire. Right, right. But with that, when asked what method gets you the best, oh, and you said flyers. So 27% did flyers, door hangers, stuff like that, which is still pretty significant. Direct mail, 24%. But in terms of- Surprised on the direct mail- what method gets you the best quality leads? Referral. Which one do you think said? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Referral is always going to give you the better one. Right. And that's why we, you know, we, we, we hire based on people that we feel care because okay. that's where we think, you know, if someone cares, we can teach them the pools, right? We can, mm-hmm. we'll get them there. But you can't teach people to care. And if you have someone who cares, they're going to try and do their best. They're going to try and take care of people the best that they can. And to me, that's what leads to the referrals. Well, this is an interesting thing when you bring that up. When I was in college, my grandfather's like, yeah, you need to have, you know, qualifications and all of this. But he really wanted me to build my network of people, influential people like, you know, volunteer work, you know, however I can meet these people. And the reason he said that was because he had read a study on employment and it was like 75% of HR departments said that they hire based off of people that they know or someone within the company knows them. 
before they will hire somebody off the street that nobody knows because there is a better chance that it will be a quality employee who will stick around than somebody who they have no idea about. Like, let's say person A who knows Bob is more likely to get uh, hired even if their qualifications aren't as good as uh, applicant B because applicant B, no one can vouch if they're going to show up to work. That's the biggest thing. Are you going to show up to work and are you going to do your work? Well, we, we, and to that point, we started a few years ago, a, a employee referral program that um, essentially if an employee brings a new hire in, once that new hire has been with us 30 days, the employee that brought him in gets $500. Oh, wow. If I that, that new hire stays with us for six months, they get another $500. And if that new hire stays with us for two years, the employee that brought him in gets $2,000. Well, think of it this way. The amount of money you're giving them for that employee being there and how much that employee is going to make you is not that much. You know, so it's, it's worth it, you doing that to get quality employees. It It is. And, you know, over the course of two years, $3,000 is, uh, it's, it's a good amount of money. And, but it's also... Um, we, we, we tried to find a, a level that, that we, we could work with that would mean something to employees. And, you know, we also want to show them that, uh, I don't know. I, I think when you do that kind of stuff, it just shows your overall really trying to do everything you can for the employees. Right. And and in turn, then those employees certainly help grow the business and everything else. But the uh, the importance of hiring and 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 having good people is critical. And again, that's your yeah. biggest asset, right? You got to take oh, God, care yeah. of them. You got to do what you can for them. So, um, there's a survey in here talking about you know, are you using software for various parts of your business, from you know, accounting software to scheduling software to uh, how many people said they still use pen and paper? Um, I would think on, and the reason I ask that is because, you know, Skimmer's doing the study and that can kind of give I us don't, the th- clue. Yeah, it really didn't. So this said, um, do you use any software to help you manage and operate your business? 76% are using accounting, QuickBooks, FreshBooks, something like that. Okay. 35% are using scheduling software. Okay. Um, Google or Google Suite or Microsoft 360, 29%. Billing software only, 12%. Email marketing, MailChimp, constant contact kind of stuff, 9%. Uh, CRM stuff, 6%. And then it's got an other category, 20%. They don't really identify you're not doing anything. They're only identifying what types of software you're using now. Are you? Because I think there's still a good percentage of pool services, maybe the the ancient ones that definitely the smaller companies that still just do, you know, spreadsheet, mail out an invoice type of thing. Only, I know one service here only accepts checks. And I'm like, I want my money fast. (laughs) I don't want my money to go in the mail. I hate when checks are mailed. You know, this, this one is interesting too. How many times a week do you go to your local pool supply shop? I go daily. <laughs> daily? Daily. So 
And there's where you need to streamline yourself, Kelly. <laughs> You're costing yourself by doing that. Go there once a week. Let's make a 2024 resolution. <laughs> I'm going to try and make it that you go once a week. And but guess what? When I go to the supply house on a regular basis, I have a better relationship with them that sure. they will do a lot more for me, even being a small company than they will for somebody who never mm. goes in. They have free coffee there. Join the Council for the Model Aquatic Health Code, aka CMAC. CMAC is a member-driven organization that keeps the Model Aquatic Health Code sustainable, current, and complete. Your expertise is needed. Learn more at CMAC.org. That's C-M-A-H-C.org. Aquastar Pool Products, Blu-ray XL, Pool Magazine, Ray Pack, Lamont Company. These Talking Pools podcast sponsors are all participating in the Talking Pools podcast trade show poker run on February 24th at the Everything Under the Sun Pool and Spa Expo in Orlando. Rudy and Andrea will be at the revved up apparel booth from 10.30 a.m. to noon for a special meet and greet. That's where the poker run begins. Revved up apparel, booth 533. That's where you can pick up your trade show poker run scorecard and instructions at 11 a.m. Or stop by any time between 10.30 a.m. and noon to say hello. Let's do some selfies. Stop at the five participating sponsor booths to get dealt your card in the specified order and at the specified times. Cards will be dealt at each location until they've dealt their entire deck. So first come first serve. Last stop on the poker run is the skimmer booth at 1.30 where you will submit your cards and score sheet. Best hand wins. Announced at 2 p.m. Cash prizes and prizes. It's winner take all all in the Talking Pools podcast trade show poker run. In the case of a tie, it will be high card draw to determine a winner. Don't miss the fun. Don't miss the run. They will do a lot more for me, even being a small company, than they will for somebody who never mm. goes in. They have free coffee there? Yeah. Is that why you go? You get a pre cup of coffee when you go? Start off your day no. at the pool, pool supply place. I should, since my coffee maker coffee does. In. I should do that because my coffee maker just doesn't like me right now. But no, it's just, I go in there, I get my stuff. Now, let's say it's a slow week like this week. Yeah, I'm going to go there not as often. It's maybe twice in that week. But sometimes, because I'm a smaller company, it's easier for me to do a couple jobs and then have the, the second half of the week. Do you think a little bit of it is, is social interaction because you're otherwise yes. by yourself? Yeah. You know, you, you, you know, like for us, we have 50 people that start off the day at our store, right? Yeah. So there's plenty of social, social interaction at the beginning and at the end of the day. Um, but if, if you're all by yourself, you're, you're, you're talking to yourself all day, right? It keeps you from going crazy mm -hmm. by stopping in and, and, you know, another you know, thing, I minutes. mean, if I go to, yeah, I'm not, some days, yeah, I'm there a while. Some days I'm not. It just depends on the day. But um, I also meet people that 
have just started doing service or just got in our industry or have been in it a while and they don't want to do repairs anymore. Or, you know, I meet the reps and the rep, to be honest, me knowing all the reps of everybody pays off for me in the end. You know, me knowing my Alpha West rep and them knowing me on a professional, personal level, we'll call it, you know, we're friendly as co-works, whatever you call it. And um, that got me the permit drawing jobs. Makes me money. I meet these customers where they're asking the supply house questions. The guy at the counter may not know the answer. And then I'm there. I'm like, hey, do this, this, and this. Or, hey, here, call your rep that you don't know who they are. But it always, it's, I'm not saying you need to go in there every day, but go in there often so you still can make those relationships. And with the setup of how my business is, I need to meet those people because I'm working for more companies than I am customers. Like I don't have customers calling me all day because they found me on Facebook or they found me on Craigslist back in the day or whatever. It's mainly, hey, my pool guy told me I need to call you because this is what's going on. Or it's the pool guy saying, hey, can you go to my customer's pool? Because I can't figure this out or I don't know how to do it or I don't have time to do it. So it really does expand my business. Sure. Where do you prefer to shop? I I prefer to shop at PEP. Okay. Well, it's uh, the pool corp was number one at 67% where a heritage store like PEP was 20%. This one. I like, I like PEP because they could do more for me. Mm -hmm. SEP. I love everybody at all of my SEP branches. They are amazing and they try to do what they can, but because of their corporation, they are very limited at what they can do for you. Yeah. Number three at sixteen percent was Amazon, which that really excuse me irri- really irritates me. Amazon, yeah, that pisses yeah. me off. That uh, we should not be shopping on Amazon. No. Now, don't get me wrong. I get my little four amp pink mini f- micro fuses on Amazon, but that's because I can't find them anywhere locally in bulk. Yeah. But when it comes to parts, uh, no, no. No, and and I get it, and and I uh, I truly hope that that the you know heritage and and pool corp come up with ways to. Okay, here's provide. an idea. What if that sixteen percent that buys on Amazon are places where distribution is not close to them? And that's why I was just going to say. So you know, we all know that we can order on Amazon today and have it two days from now, right? Mm-hmm. If not sooner, um, it, it, I would love to see Heritage and, and Pool Corp put together something for for pool pros to be able to do here's, that. Here's why I don't like buying on Amazon. Amazon. This is why I don't like buying on Amazon. Let's say I buy a part on Amazon. We'll say it's a, a board for an automation system because it's cheaper. Same, we'll say it even has the same warranty. But what happens when you put that in and, it, and it's faulty? You have to return it now to Amazon oh, yeah. and pay for yeah. the product. If you go to distribution, right. if it's SCP, PEP, Keller, whoever, you can get another part right that day if they have it, if not the yeah. next day. 
and you don't have to dish out that money again while you're waiting because it could take a while with Amazon. Right. And the last one they list at 14% is Leslie's, which um, it, it, I would much rather see people uh, head over to Leslie's. They're more frequent in most yeah. markets than a Heritage or a, or a Pool Corp branch maybe. It's not Amazon. And uh, you can develop relationships with your local Leslie's and and get into their, you know, wholesale end of things and uh, find some convenience there. And, and also some of what you get out of, you know, going to PEP with the uh, social aspect of things, right? You know, stop in. I do visit Leslie's. I don't buy anything. But I will go in there periodically to test water when I'm like, what the hell's going on? But also so that the managers know that I do warranty on their pumps. So then they just call me. Yeah. Dishes more business to me. What's your preferred brand of pool tool? Pool tool? Yeah. And I guess they're talking because this is more route-based stuff like, Vacuum poles, heads. When I when I was in service, my favorite thing was when I was able to find out how to connect my leaf bagger to the Polaris hose. This was prior to me owning a Riptide because I was a very small company at the time. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a big deal when I got my Riptide. That was a 24, big deal. 24% like Primate. Riptide's 18%. I like, when it came to polls, I like the Ultimate Pole. That was my favorite oh, one. Ultimate's on there. It's 3%, but it's on there. And, well, that, does, that doesn't surprise me, though. Doesn't Isn't Skimmer partnered with Primate? You know, what's interesting to me is Riptide's at 18%. And hammerheads at four. What? Yeah. yeah. Everybody loves their riptide in their. Well, to me, I think that a lot of people mm-hmm. like the riptide better than the hammerhead. I see a lot I, more of them in the field. We've we've bought both, and we'll continue buying the hammerheads. Um, okay. We've riptide is fine, but we we have had better luck with hammerhead okay. over the long haul, and. It's, you know, it, it's kind of like Ford and Chevy, honestly, really. Yeah. But uh, um, what else have we got here? Well, I guess that's the, the biggest part of uh, Skimmer's, Skimmer's little annual. I don't know if it's annuals. I don't know if, they ever done, if they've ever done it before. But they I think this is the first time it's come out. Certainly did it this, this year, and it's an interesting... Uh, Interesting read for that segment of the industry. And again, this coming from Skimmer, I do believe that this is uh, pretty specialized in the the route end of the business. Um, you know, that's that's really who they target as their clients. But they, you know they, what? I kind of like that because it seems like a lot of times when we have these these assessments of the industry, it's more builder or retail than it is to the service person. Yeah, no, it's good. Seventeen hundred professionals across the country is is what they pulled. Um, combination of those surveys with 
platform data from activity over 25,000 skimmer users. So, neat thing. Neat thing. It was Jack, cool. Jack Nelson, skimmer CEO, who uh, sort of sent this report out. And I think it's good for the industry. Mm-hmm. More Find it if I didn't cover everything that's in it, but look for it out there. I'm not promoting skimmer. That's... Uh, I, we're just promoting we, that they came out with I'm a study that was very helpful. Study, yeah, right, gives us some information and insights into what others are doing. And um, you know, I always say that uh, you learn the most from those around us who are doing and succeeding. So try and copy where you see success and see how it works for you. I think Skimmer has done a very grow. good job at um, being an asset for service professionals in the route sector. So uh, last thing I want to, I want to throw out there today. So just today, again, it's January 31st, we're recording this, but uh, Rudy had an an article that, that was published in Aqua magazine. He writes for Aqua magazine and and today's article, um, uh, Morris Buttermaker can make us better. And it's a a throwback to the uh, bad news bears back in the day. Um, and, and read the article because it's a great article. Read all Rudy's articles. He's, he's fantastic, uh, has a unique way of getting his point across. But this one um, talks about the perception of the pool person and, uh, you know, how, uh, you know, the perception isn't often what most of us would like it to be and ways that you can do things to try to improve that perception. And the one thing he talks about, and I know Kelly, you and I talk about all the time is, uh, is in a, in a different way. He, he mentions it in this article is, is education and his way is, um, that he, that he brings around is through mentoring and apprenticeship on a, a person to person, as he says, uh, level. And I, I think that that's so important. Um, I, I think that finding someone that you can have confidence in to help you as you're learning the job and learning the industry, learning how to how to run your your route, how to run your business, how to do the job. Um, there's there's nothing better than having someone that you can lean on to help you grow. And, oh, I'm and, a I'm a prime example of that. Absolutely, absolutely, and and I think that. You know, in, in our industry, they're all different sizes of, of companies, right? You know, there's companies mm-hmm. like ours, and then there and and then there are companies like yours. Yep. And all too often, I think companies that are smaller, like yours, you are by far an exception, um, don't have uh, a whole lot of time to invest in learning. No. Uh, beyond beyond what's put in front of them or or what's easy access and the, the whole aspect of the mentoring thing is something that uh, uh, our industry really needs to do a better job at and where I'm going with this is the same direction I believe that Rudy intended his, his article to go is that those of us that have been doing this for a long time or or, or a reasonable amount of time and have some experience um, we need to do more to share that with others to help them grow. And, yeah. you know, the last five to seven years, social media has certainly 
spawned a whole new uh, sharing of information. But that only gets you so far. You can go on Facebook and, and read about what you can read about, and you can listen to podcasts forever, and you better be listening to ours. Otherwise, you know, I'm going to send <laughs> Kelly out after you. Um, but, but the aspect of, of learning in a more of a one-on-one manner, and again, having someone that you can rely on, someone you can call, someone you can ask a question, you trust their guidance, that kind of stuff. And, you know, for, for me, I believe that, uh, you know, the people who could benefit from that need to force themselves to get more involved in places you can network to find those mentors who can help you. And it's, it's not always easy to drag your ass out to an event that's going on that's sponsored by some entity. It, It could be a, uh, industry trade association like IPSA or PHTA or NESPA, or it could be an event going on at your local heritage branch or, or SCP mm-hmm. or pool court branch or, you know, who, whatever it may be, force yourself to go out to those things, to meet people, to find those people that you can then reach out to. And ask and a questions lot of, and learn from a lot of those events. People will be like, "Well, I have my kids. I can't, you know, yeah, can't take it's them." Not easy. You can bring your kids with you. Most Believe many me. of them, you can. Yeah, for sure. I and I bring my kids. <clears throat> when my kids were, when Michael was an infant, he went to Ipsa meetings with me. He went to you know little tabletops, all of it. When I was a kid, I was dragged to everything. Like yeah. you just. You, they go like, yeah, you can't be, you know, as social as you are when you don't have them, but at least you can get there, get the phone number, make a little bit of a contact. Hey, you can always be like, Hey, I was the one with the kid w- at the, this event and they'll know who you are. Right. But also think of it this way. You're teaching your kids to be hard workers and going out there and getting what you need in order to get where you want to be. Right. Right. So anyway, I, I guess to, uh, to sort of, end things here. I just wanted to, to throw that out there and, and wish everyone to, uh, either if you have the capacity to help others reach a hand out and help. And if you're out there and, and have the desire to learn some more from somebody who, who you feel you can trust and that seek them out. And the best place to seek them out is through, networking events that are going on all over the place just force yourself to spend a little bit of time and go to them you'd be surprised how many people will call me asking me to recommend someone that can mentor them in their area you know it's not just them asking for me to mentor them because they know yeah people can call me on the phone but there's something different about having someone in your area because My area is different than my sister's area in Texas, which is different than your area in Chicago and different than, you know, Florida. And when you find someone where you're local, then they can sometimes allow you to go on the job with them if it's their job, your job, whatever. But until I think people are more willing to help newbies, it's going to be challenging. But like you said, go to any organized event that you can, you know, especially the local ones. Distribution has tabletops all, all what spring and summer. There's at least one a week. Um, 
there, and there's all the kinds of opportunity, up. right? Um, I think a great example would be, or suggestion would be, is let's say you see your Hayward rep or your Jandy rep or your Pentair rep at those tabletops, and you're if you're having trouble, either they'll help you, they'll go they'll go out there with you. All the brands will. Or they'll suggest somebody, you can have them suggest somebody who can also help you. And that could possibly lead to a mentorship of some sort. Right. Right. All right. Well, since I let in this week, I'm going to lead out too. Am I capable of that? I don't know. (laughs) Hey, uh, like us, share us, find us at Talking Pools uh, Facebook group and email us, talkingpools at gmail.com with anything that you might have to share or to ask or whatnot. And on behalf of Kelly and myself and all of the other wonderful podcast groups with Talking Pools, thanks for listening in and we'll catch you again next time. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 